The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management, the website guildhallwealth.com, the phone number one eight seven seven eight silver My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm Vice President of Guildhall Wealth. Joining me today is Darren Long. He is the uh, Senior Vice President of Sales. And Darren, you've been in the business for how long now? 16 years, my friend. 16 years. A little later on, we're going to have uh, the president of Guildhall, Paul Wiseman, and my father coming to join us on the show a little later. Darren, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to be focusing a little more on the, the Canadian economy, sort of asking the question, just how bad is it right now? Because I think as you know, we're, we're still in quarantine zone Although I'm seeing a lot more traffic on the roads, I think people are, are getting fed up at this point. But, uh, you know, they're, they're reaching the end of their tether. That said, I think no one really knows the lengths at which the economy is truly being affected because they're not out there seeing it. So I really want to focus on that. And I think for us, we were just discussing off air that a great website where you can get good information, independent information on this is betterdwelling.com. They seem to be more focused on real estate, which is great because I don't think a lot of people are getting a lot of real estate information out there. But then it does spill over to the overall economy. But before we get to that, Let's start with uh, sort of the big headline that was making news this week, which wasn't really much news to us, which is Scotia Makata is closing down its gold business. Well, what did you out, What did you make of seeing that headline all of a sudden pop up, Darren? Well, it turns out that this is something we discussed on the show eons ago. It seems like it's years ago, and what it was was Makata trying to find a suitor, uh, somebody to take over their business. And unfortunately, nobody came forward uh, to do so. And after a, a, what has seemed like a lifetime uh, passed by, they made an announcement this week to actually uh, shutter the Makata business, which has been uh, around uh, and stretches back historically to the late 1600s. And uh, with a history like that, it's a big loss to the metals industry in terms of the brand, in terms of what it meant. Uh, but no surprise to us whatsoever, Jeremy. No, I think actually I remember back, this must have been around 2012. I think we were looking for a depository. We were looking for vault storage and you were making phone calls around and you got in touch with a few people at Scotia and it was really tough. You know, you're kind of trying to work your way through the red tape. But I remember you found out some information about the fact that they had a massive turnover in staff that it was like a revolving door over at Scotia Makata Precious Metals. They did not keep staff long. Uh, do you remember that? I do remember talking about that. In fact, that was a number of years back. And this is obviously part of that timeline because even back then, and Jeremy, to be honest, I can't remember the exact year, but this is we're going back four or five years. Uh, oh, it's longer than that. It was longer, longer than, that. than that. It could have been. And yes, we did find that out. We did find out that there was a ton of attrition and, and, and a revolving door of staff. And, and what it had been, once upon a time, a very trusted brand and one of the only places in Canada when the last bullion uh, rush in the 70s happened uh, that you could go and buy physical product 
in one main location down in King Street. And obviously, it had run into numerous problems. It had uh, become a victim of what is now considered to be the paper market, the futures market that we talk about that we'll touch on more today. And they had, uh, of course, tried to uh, streamline their business into what was becoming more and more uh, paper and less and less physical. And basically... It was alleged over time that they became part of a greater and larger uh, conspiracy to actually maintain uh, a foothold, a stronghold, and push down pressure on the price of of the gold market in particular, and also silver uh, to a lesser extent. And again, when those things started creeping up and coming out, we started researching them and looking at them, and lo and behold, uh, employees were informed of the decision to shutter the operation uh, via conference call on Tuesday morning of this week. Yeah, one eight seven seven eight silver guildhallwealth.com. I think it I think it's sort of um you know, not to be macabre about this, but that they've closed the they're they're closing the, the coffin on it. That I think that they got caught up in the problems of the paper market itself, which are now really coming to the forefront. Uh, you know that a whole bunch of the banks really got caught red-handed, uh, hand in the cookie jar, um, you know, doing a legal business in the paper market. And now I heard that the CME has just uh, got uh, massive lines of credit because they feel like uh, their counterparties might not pay up and that they're going to be out a lot of money. So they have to um, they have to obtain loans just in case. So I think the whole paper market. I think this is just one big domino out of many that are going to be falling in the future. That's just my own opinion. Of course, here at Guildhall, we only deal in physical precious metals. And so this was not a big surprise, as you said, uh, just to kind of close up this topic, which is that we knew that Scotia was trying to find someone to, to, to buy this business. Obviously, no one wants to touch this type of business in these environments. And I think they finally pulled the plug and just said, you know what, it'd be easier to close and take the losses at this point. So let's move on to the physical market in the next segment, Darren. Let's talk about the premium spreads. I think it still needs a lot of, uh, a lot of explanation because people are seeing much wider premiums in this market. And I think it just starts to talk about the economy in general of what we're seeing, supply chains and, and those sorts of things. So that leads into the Better Dwelling articles on real estate and the Canadian economy. So let's do that in the next segment. The number 18778Silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. And you're listening to... <laughs> The Real Money Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back with The Real Money Show. The phone number 18778Silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. Darren, we're about to get into the premiums on physical metals and of course the shortages and we want people to get onto wait lists. We've been able to work off a lot of our wait lists, uh, been able to get the product into people's hands, but still contact us, get onto the website, contact us, get onto the, the newsletter, get onto the wait list so that we can, um, we can make sure that we can get some physical bullion in your hands. Now, Darren, um, you, you mentioned uh, just something quickly about Scotiabank before we move on from that, um, that I thought would, would be great for you to share with the listeners. Well, we're going to roll into premiums now and helping people understand why the difference on paper to physical. But before we do, I find it extremely odd that in this day and age, 
when the price of gold in Canadian dollars is near or at an all-time high, and when we live in a country which is resource-laden, tons of gold companies, lots of mining projects, and Scotia being a huge role player in the development of loans and lending to the resource sector, they can't even keep their house in order and create profitability. And one of the big things and changes is that they're saying it's no longer a core part of their business. How can that be? We live in one of the most resource-rich countries in the world, and gold is only one part of it. But gold in Canada comes out of the ground on a regular basis. I mean, just turn on the TV. Every reality show is in Canada. And ultimately, <laughs> that's something that has to be said because that points, Jeremy, to a bigger problem in the industry. And it does relate to the topic of premiums. Yeah, and I think ultimately, I think that um, one of the one of the things that we're going to walk away from from the pandemic is that to be more independent, right? Economically, supply chains, things like that. So this idea of being able to uh, mine your own gold, refine your own gold, and provide that to its citizens, which is how it should be, is something that we can continue. We could think about, right? So let's let's talk about let's talk about premiums. You know. I think that everyone has learned a lot here over the last month and a half. One of the things, well, two things that I think um, I've learned is if it can happen anywhere, it can happen here. That That's the first thing. Um, so, you know, you talk about things like negative interest rates. Okay, it's happening in Europe. Oh, it'll never happen here. Guess what? Anything could happen here, right? If it can happen there, it can happen here. Um, and we heard that Deutsche Bank is now... Um, charging negative interest on accounts over $100,000. The other thing is that supply chains can dry up very, very quickly. And we've always talked about this, Darren. There's a limited amount of physical product out there. And people were all of a sudden, uh, when the panic struck, they decide, they found out or they, they decided, oh, I want to take delivery of my product and found out very quickly that they had paper. I think that happened all over the world. I think that happened a lot in North America. I think banks panicked. And I think that a lot of the physical product got sucked out of the market for that reason. Uh, because obviously a lot of people had to figure out how they were going to get, fulfill these paper promises. Um, you know, people who owned physical product through this have had no issues. Again, you, you want to buy, you want to have insurance before the fire, not after, right? Um, and I think that we've always impressed upon people that it's important to prepare early. You don't want to be the person who has to run into and panic and buy toilet paper at the last minute. And this isn't about uh, your day to day. This is about your wealth. This is about true wealth preservation. So for me, one of the learning lessons has been prepare early. And that's one of the reasons we're seeing these massive spreads because there's not a lot of product. What do you think? Well, I think it's important to understand that the Deutsche Bank uh, situation with negative interest rates for retail deposits over 100,000 euros is certainly somewhat of a harbinger of things to come. And when you're looking at better places to put your money, are you going to go to a bank that's going to give you negative interest rates? I mean, I think our listeners, Jeremy, have a tough time understanding what that means. It's exactly what it says. There's nothing complicated about it. I put in 100,000 dollars into a bank and instead of getting a, a, a paltry one or two percent return on my money in a savings account or in a you know a GIC or something of that sort I'm going to actually get money taken away 
So I'm not going to touch the money. I'm going to leave it there for two years, let's say, in the account, and it's going to be worth less than when I put it in. And they're saying, hey, that's the better outcome because it's lower risk in this environment. And when you think about that practicality, then you start to realize that having alternate alternatives uh, for savings, like we've discussed for years and years and years since we've started this show in 2008, uh, using silver as savings, gold as savings, then you start to realize the way the world is shaping up and what lies ahead. And when you apply that to premiums, this is not something that's new. And you're right, Jeremy, this has been floating around in the marketplace forever. What you're buying in physical is not a paper price. You're buying a piece of fabricated metal that somebody has painstakingly cut, created, pulled from the ground, shipped, insured, and marked up to us as a dealer in order to be sold to the greater public. And everyone has to make a little bit of money from that, and that's the way that that market rolls. But you're right. There's not going to be a return to normal anytime soon. Not now, not by end of year, probably not for the next few years because uh, there is going to be a gap in understanding. Either there's going to be a brand new system or we are just going to have to get used to the fact that we are paying and getting value as physical investors for something that's wholly different than what is stated on paper. Well, I think that gold is is up double digits this year, despite everything that's happening. So I think sure that's, that's obviously positive. Um, yeah. neg- negative interest rates of any kind do away with the cost, the opportunity cost to store physical products. So if you're looking at a cost of a you know just about one percent to store your physical product, if it's I could pay one percent on the off chance I could make double digit gains, which is what we've seen consistently in gold. Then you know, just personally from an economic standpoint. Gold starts to look very, very appealing. Um, regarding the regarding the premiums, you know, when we sort of reverse engineer the premiums, we see that the spot price of gold is probably more like seventeen eighty five, right? Instead of seventeen hundred, right? So there's so there's just a gap of about eighty dollars, eighty five dollars, and then on silver, it works out to probably the spot price being something or paper price of silver being something like eighteen fifty, which again is like a three dollar three three and a half dollar difference between the paper price and the actual physical price to get it. So I think that's a discrepancy that has to be worked out in the market. Maybe the paper market will catch up. Maybe the paper market will implode. Maybe the physical market will will take over. But I think it's a it's a challenge. I think ultimately it's a the the paper market is sending a false signal that there's lots of product out there when the real world is saying no no no. There there's not a lot of product out there. But in fact, if you were to just reverse the prices a little bit, they're not that far off of what you're seeing. Let's talk about Canadian economy. What what does what does it look like when the economy starts opening up? Um, what are we heading for? Money printing, all of these things. Let's talk about that in the next segment. One eight seven seven eight silver is the number. The website guildhallwealth.com. You are listening to the Real Money Show on Glo- on Global News Radio six forty Toronto. The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The phone number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. I am Jeremy. I'm here with Darren. We are talking about the Canadian economy and what it might look like when things start to open up. Darren, we brought uh, to the table here three articles from a website called Better Dwelling, which deals with mostly 
real estate in Canada, but also also things about the economy. And we both like it because it seems to be an independent. There's seems to be on both sides. You see good news, bad news. They seem to not have any particular uh, slant, which is fantastic. So let's let's dive in. Which article did you want to start with? Well, again, first, it's important to understand before we talk about any of these articles that sure. the Canadian economy is likely to begin or has already began its deepest recession on record. Uh, certainly during our lifetime, uh, Jeremy, and they've been maintaining records on recession since about 1961. And where we are in terms of expectations, I think people have to just come to grips with the fact that we're dealing with a health pandemic right now, and we have yet to really see the financial pandemic, which is the other side of this uh, equation. And when it relates to these articles, really all they're doing is uh, is just highlighting some of those uh, problems. And, and if you just look at real estate and from Better Dwelling, the article uh, entitled Canadian Real Estate Prices Could Drop Up to 30%, Moody's Advises Institutions. This isn't based, even when you read this article, it's not really wholly based on, on logic that hasn't existed or just began because of COVID. We were talking about this on our show three, four years ago when ratings agencies were saying that the housing markets in general in, in Canada were up to 30 to 40% overpriced as they were then. And so this comes as no surprise that you could easily see a 30% pullback. And my biggest concern would be that if I'm a Canadian investor right now and I'm looking to buy real estate and I want to get it on the cheap, what am I doing? Am I thinking that it's going to be a good price now, in the future, in two years from now? Do I want to wait that long? And if so, why would I, if I'm going to wait two or three years to, to see the bottom of a market, why not put something in gold right now that's making money and, and, and doing well in double digits while I'm waiting for that to happen? And again, Jeremy, your, your idea uh, is a simple one. It's that we have yet to feel all of this impact. And this article and others like it on the site are just talking about the GDP forecasts and, and has to assume the worst. We are going to be in a very deep recession. Yeah, look, we're going to put this one in, in the newsletter, the idea that the prices could drop 30%. Well, listen, March... Uh, apparently is going to be crazy, right? People were doing a lot of last-minute transactions, wanted to get those transactions through. It was a lot like the way we were at Guildhall. You know, we were on fire at the end of March there, and then all of a sudden, okay, that's it. We're, we got to shut it all down, right? So April numbers are going to look abysmal. And then you have to start to wonder, well, what is it going to look like when things start to open up? How many people lost their jobs? How many people who were who were landlords had people say, I can't pay you this month, right? At what point did they say, well, now I have to sell? So does it start to become a, a, a landslide of sellers? You just don't know what it's going to look like. But what, what I think the takeaway there is as the economy opens up, as you start to see, this is almost like that, that, that movie Apollo 13, right? They finally right. get out of the woods and they finally see what the damage was. I think that's where we're at as, a, as, a, as an economy right now. And I think as we start to see what the damage is, I think it's going to give a lot of pause to people about that market. And maybe they say, oh, maybe, we're, maybe it's not going to be just chug, chug, chug along as it was before. Let's, let's move on. To another article, Darren, uh, there was one that said nearly because it goes along with this idea of let's assess the damage eventually. The the title of this one was nearly one in five Canadian businesses laid off more than 80 percent of its staff. What did you make of that? Well, that is huge. We had uh, a record month, one point zero one million uh, applications for unemployment and uh, 
job loss. And when you read an article like this and the stats that it's giving come directly from Canada statistics, so this doesn't incorporate the ones that we don't know about on paper, the ones that were making cash and lost their jobs. But it does beg the question, as I've talked to many business owners, how much of that 80% of one in five businesses, how much of that number is going to be hired back, right? If we expect that there's going to be a long-term recession, and we expect there to be less retail activity and we expect there to be less money spent and we expect there to be a housing drop values in houses to drop then how much of these layoffs are going to result in return to work companies are going to teach themselves how to run lean there will be tons of lateral promotion lots of employees will be asked to come back to the table and assume the responsibilities of their of their coworkers and maybe for uh, less to money keep their job and for maybe less money or certainly no no pay raise in the in the future and again over half of Canadian businesses, according to this article, saw revenues drop over 20%. And we know that that's just the tip of the iceberg because this is going to be a massive uh, hit to the uh, Canadian uh, business revenue that we're so used to seeing in good times, uh, which has been indicative of the housing prices rising and our economy not feeling the the hit of the 2008 and nine financial crisis like the U.S. did. Let's stay on these topics, Jeremy, and uh, get people onto that buying list as well. Yes, let's do that. Uh, the number one eight seven seven eight silver This is The Real Money Show. The website, guildhallwealth.com, and you're listening on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We will be right back. The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We're back. The Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. Darren, we're starting to see a trickle of product coming back into the market, which is great to see. We've been able to get to many clients on the wait list, and we want to encourage people to continue to contact us, uh, get on the wait list. We haven't quite put the webs, uh, the e-store back online because uh, we just don't quite have the, 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 the volume of product to put out there. Uh, so we're still managing the inventory that we have. So please contact us, one eight seven seven eight silver Get on the wait list. Let us know what you're looking for. And that way, as soon as the product comes in, we'll be able to give you a call and help you with that transaction. Now, Darren, we've been talking throughout the show, this idea of looking at the economy and wondering just how bad is it. I, I, I personally like the, I, the analogy there of the Apollo 13 of saying, Hey, look, we, you know, one of one of these days we're going to start to assess the real damage of closing the economy for two months. And obviously we've been talking for years on the show that um, the economy was not in great shape and everyone was was talking about how great it was. And we even did a show, I think, back in in uh, either late February, early March, talking about uh, you remember the title, Darren. It was sort of um, what was it about the highs and the lows? Where are you in the market? What was the title again? Uh, that was the highs and lows. Yeah, I remember that one, Jeremy. And actually, uh, without knowing the exact title of that show, the uh, the importance of that show was where do you stand? Do you believe that there's going to be a recession or do you think that this is just going to keep on going? And surprisingly, Jeremy, surprisingly, there was quite a number of people that had followed up after that show who were kind of thinking that this was going to be a win-win situation. 
as opposed to a win-loss situation. And I mean by that that a lot of people expected the economy because of the um, nefarious amounts of money printing, they expected that economy to continue to grow and to continue to to move upwards in value. And I get it, I understand, but uh, it turns out that you know if you laid your chips on the side of being protective and you started to protect yourself with gold, you're doing a great thing because in 2008, that financial crisis, the first uh, seven, eight, ten months or so, again, all deflationary, just like we're experiencing right now. And in that period of time when no central banks were net buyers or very few were net buyers of gold, uh, gold and silver certainly experienced some of that deflation in pricing themselves. We experienced it a little earlier in March, but mid-March is silver going down into the high, uh, to the mid-11 range from a $14.85, $15 range where it is now. And gold did pull back to the $14.50 range. And both gold and silver have repaired themselves. Uh, they've, They've made a nice gain over that period of time to come back into very respectful ranges. But I think you're right, Jeremy, as uh, Jeff Clark points out in in that article regarding uh, recession, gold is one of the most ultimate assets to hold during recessionary times. Yeah, I I think that that we were we had the opinion that the, the economy was actually quite fragile. And so for a pandemic to come along and we have to get through that and it stops the economy in its tracks, it just shows you how fragile the economy is. And again, I think as the as the economy starts to open up, we're going to start to see how bad, maybe it's not as bad, who knows, but I think everyone would agree that we're, we're headed into a recession. And how do you protect your wealth in a recession? There's going to be a daisy chain of bankruptcies that go on. And what does that look like towards the stock market? You have to start asking that. Now, I know from my personal experiences here, Darren, we've had a lot of clients who have said, look, I've got cash in the bank. I'm not making anything on it. I don't have to wait for Deutsche Bank to go negative. I don't need to wait for Canadian uh, to go negative because 1%, 2% now is nothing. I'm not beating inflation. So where do I put my money? They look at the charts of gold. They say, oh, look at it. It's a no-brainer at this point. You know, Mm -hmm. gold has, has averaged in the high single digits from it had one down year in 2013. Before that, you have to go all the way back to 2002. And then as of last year, we got double digit gains. This year, we're still at double digit gains. So gold becomes a no brainer place to go store your wealth uh, for the next you know, several years. We believe you should always have some physical metal in your portfolio. Silver right now, probably the cheapest it's ever been in history. You're looking at a ratio of what? A hundred and something to one on paper, typical, 113 to one, 113 to one, you know, since, since 1971, the, the ratio was w- ranged between average between 50 to 80. So if you were at 80, you want to buy gold, buy silver. If it gets down to 50, maybe you convert that to gold right now, silver being, you know, over a hundred to one, you know, that it's very, very inexpensive. So Typically, if it would be wealth preservation, you kind of want to go more towards gold. But given the fact that there's not a lot of product out there, people are you know screaming about premiums or whatnot. But at the end of the day, you're still only paying in U.S. dollars, you know, maybe twenty dollars an ounce on on silver. So it's still very very cheap. It's still incredibly cheap as to where we could go and where we could go. That's where the money printing comes in. That's where the government's going to do everything it can to keep this, this, the wheels spinning.
But ultimately, there's no such thing as a free lunch, in my opinion. Um, I don't know about you, Darren, but I think you're in the same camp. So I think ultimately the the Pied Piper is going to have to be paid. It's not a good. It doesn't say good things about where the value of the dollar is going to be headed. So you need to start protecting your wealth, and that's where physical precious metals come in, and that's where Guildhall wealth comes in. In the next segment, Darren, let's talk about another asset that could be inc something incredible for your portfolio over the next ten to fifteen years, and that's natural fancy colored diamonds. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. You're listening to the Real Money Show on Global News Radio six forty Toronto. We'll be right back. The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio six forty Toronto. Welcome back to the Real Money Show. The website guildhallwealth.com. The phone number one eight seven seven eight silver. Now, if you're going to go to the website right now, we want you to take a look at the natural fancy colored diamond section. Paul Wiseman, president of Guildhall Wealth, has joined us here, and we're going to talk about one of the best kept secrets when it comes to wealth preservation, and that is natural fancy colored diamonds. Paul, I want to start by asking you your perspective as a diamond owner, someone who's owned diamonds for a long time how it feels for you and why you continue to invest in natural fancy colored diamonds. What is it that, that draws you to the market? Obviously they're beautiful, but it's gotta be beyond that for you. Well, it's real, real, real simple. <coughs> Excuse me. For the last 40 odd years since they've been keeping records, natural fancy colored diamonds have really never dropped in value. They keep increasing in value, especially on the very, very high end quality that we sell and that I own. Mm -hmm. So, I can sleep at night knowing that my investment is safe. Um, it's not like owning a house and the roof is linking or the basement's you know, taking water. It's wealth in your hand. It's portable wealth. Uh, it, the investment has shown terrific returns. So owning a natural fancy colored diamond takes – it's a hedge. It's one of those things that if you're looking to retire – you know, whether it's 10, 15 years down the road, whether you're looking to put your kids through university and you've got a couple of kids and you're wondering how am I going to pay for university, they don't go down. The prices always go up. So you want something that you can, you know, buy a, a, maybe a, a vivid, internally flawless for around about $35,000. You can put it away, you know, in 10 years, 15 years, it could easily be worth, you know, Fifty, seventy-five thousand, a hundred thousand. We just don't know, for the simple reason that this is a commodity that you can't just pull out of thin air. You can't print it like paper. Right, and and it's also great multi gener for multi generations. It's a well, great thing to pass down. But um, one of the things that that I wanted to ask you about in terms of the natural fancy color diamond market is what what kind of changes have you seen over the last even just 10 years in the market in terms of availability that's out there or maybe just the market in general of what you've seen change in the last 10 years? Well, we know in just in the last couple of years and this last year just on pinks because the Argyle mine is closing. Anybody that uh, as a wholesaler or a dealer that has you know, high-end clients is just taking those diamonds and pushing them to the back of the safe mm -hmm. um, because they know when that mine closes at the end of this year, the prices are going to go through the roof. It's a safe investment. We're looking at right now um, with the virus, um, what it's causing, the problems 
people that own businesses, a lot of businesses are going to go out of business. Uh, a lot of retail stores will not be around next year. Um, yeah, and the I heard same J. Crew is filing for yeah, bankruptcy. And the same thing. Well, you know, if you're a retailer, you know, not only if you're selling clothing, you've got the, you know, spring product in. You've right. got winter product that was really you didn't get a chance to sell, put a forty percent discount on. Yeah. And now you've got summer product coming. You've got three inventories. Yeah. Who can carry three inventories? Yeah. Not many people. Yeah, that's true. And you still got to pay the rent. And you know what? The landlords of these big malls sooner or later are going to turn around and say, "No money. I'm going to put a lock on the door." Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. But when you get back to investments like natural fancy color diamonds they're holding their own and we have a problem right now the diamonds that are mined or, or whether they're cut or uncut whether they come from Israel Tel Aviv whether they come from Antwerp whether they come from parts of South Africa whether they come from Australia they're not sent for example there's one company called Malco Meat that does the transportation right. nobody you can't get on a, a plane as an individual and, and travel. You can't bring the product. Right. It's the same with metals because they, they ship these things by commercial flights. So if commercial flights are down, that's it. Nothing's being sent well, anywhere. You know, with diamonds especially, they're normally <clears throat> bought by courier. Right. You know, again, it's millions of dollars with in the palm of your hand. So, you know, you can carry, the courier will carry it, get off at New York, and there'll be somebody in armored car to meet him. Yeah, and I think that sometimes, you know, Paul, it comes up almost daily in the business, people worried about confiscation of, of gold, where we say, okay, if that's really a worry for, that the government's going to go after less than 2% of the of the investing public when they could easily just raise taxes and, and inflate it away, uh, at the end of the day, you could buy silver, you could also buy Natural fancy color diamond. Well, the funny thing is, we just came across a diamond this week. Darren, you're very aware of it as well. A 105 carat intense um, VS quality, pear shaped. Pink. Pink, bubblegum pink, incredible stone, just an incredible stone. Um, we checked it out with the Color Diamond Research Foundation. Do you know there's only out of 60,000 diamonds that go into the GIA colored diamonds? There's only two to three a year of that quality in a 105 pink intense that come to market. Right. That's the rarity, and that's what you're getting. You're getting rarity. When you buy natural fancy color diamonds, you're getting something that's rare. Let's, let's keep on that topic of rarity and understand just how rare is rare. Um, in the next segment. So stay with us. This is The Real Money Show, the website, guildhallwealth.com, the phone number, one eight seven seven eight silver uh, We'll give Darren a chance to jump in on the diamonds as well in the next segment. You are listening on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We'll be right back. The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. The phone number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. We're talking natural fancy colored diamonds right now. And Paul, you were just saying before we went to break that we were taking a look at a pink diamond, a little over one carat, intense, uh, VS quality, and that you looked at the Fancy Color Research Foundation, which is for the first time, and they've been around for, I guess, about five years, maybe four years, and their ability to actually understand how rare is rare well, because they, before they, them we couldn't we didn't know we but now you know exactly how rare things are so how how rare is that pink diamond again 
It's maybe two to three a year come to market. So 20 every decade. Out of 60,000 diamonds that go into GIA, colored diamonds, there's only two or three that get qualified uh, and, and and so what were the gains on that diamond over the last, I don't know, five, six years? Well, over the How last much has ten, something like that gone over up? Over the last 10 years, they've gone up 357%. Yeah, and that diamond in particular? Yeah. Okay. But that's, again, is buyers and sellers. For every buyer, there has to be a, you know, a seller. For every seller, there has to be a buyer. Um, so, you know, if you go into one of the high-end stores, whether it's Tiffany's, Cartier, uh, Chopard, uh, you're going to pay two arms, two legs for that diamond. Right, and it's similar in, in precious metals. The the difference between wholesale pricing for physical product like what we have is you know maybe 5 6%, right? Maybe up to 8% right now given the market. But if you want to buy gold jewelry, you're looking at 50 60% higher than well, that. No, you're looking between 200 to 300% markup. Right. So you know when people go into retail stores, you know whether you're downtown in Toronto and you go to Blue Street, you're going to pay for that rent. Right. You're, you know, it's not $10 a square foot. Yeah, and if you go to a really, really high-end jeweler, um, you know, they have good quality product, and you probably could end up with something that's very rare on the colored diamond side of things. Of course, you're going to really pay for that, but it's going to be something that, again, if it was multi-generational, your family has something great on their hands, and they bought it from an incredible retailer. But the general general retail stores that you would see in malls that you think are high-end, uh, you're probably not going to find an investment-grade natural fancy colored diamond. However, I think for us, Paul, you would agree, that's usually our first challenge to someone who doesn't know much about natural fancy colored diamonds. Correct. Go to a mall, go see what they have, how many yellow diamonds do they have, how many pink diamonds, and what is the quality? Yeah, I mean, you know, all jewelers have lots of white diamonds. Sure. You know. Well, that's... Uh, that's the beers have in their... Uh, Division, they've probably got enough white diamonds to fill two double-decker buses. Right, that's a luxury. It's not a rarity, right? Like I could go into a luxury store and buy the same wallet in any store around the world. Correct. That's luxury. That's not exactly rarity. Whereas a color so, diamond is rare. It's like go try to find this 105 pink VS quality. You're not going to find it. Right. But I was lucky. In actual fact, I just found in my own inventory <laughs> that I didn't even know. I opened a package, um, and I just found uh, a one. Point twelve carat fancy vivid yellow internally flawless it's a cushion the stone is absolutely magnificent um, we're looking for this stone round about 29.5 US now it's a 112 carat it's as an investment you could put this away you know it's money in the bank you can sleep at night you don't have to worry about the stocks whether it's going to fall we don't have to worry about viruses it's not going to infect this diamond this diamond you can put away, put it in a safety deposit box, put it in a sock drawer if you want to do that. Uh, but it's going to increase in value, and it's a great way to get started as an investor and a collector in natural fancy color diamonds. I've also uh, picked up, um, which uh, is not probably going to arrive to me for an, another couple of weeks, but I've got a 0.35, just, just over a third of a carat. It's a pear-shaped orangey pink argyle and it's a, t a three pr color which means it's extremely strong it's an incredible stone and you know this is a type of stone where you're looking at round about 
$60,000 US right. for this type of diamond. But the Argyle mine is closing at the end of this year. This is a type of stone that could double, triple, quadruple in a very short time. Now, getting back to this yellow, though, it's 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 interesting that you're bringing this to the table today because you were I didn't mentioning. Even know I had it. But you were mentioning to me just before we went uh, to do the show today that you were talking with one of your partners in New York, and they were talking about vivid yellows specifically. And what was it that they were telling you? There's just none around. Um, again, you know, all the diamonds, whether they're cut in Tel Aviv, in Israel, whether they're cut in Antwerp or whether they're cut in New York, these are artisans. You know, India cuts diamonds, but it's not the same. You know, it's like going to China to get a suit. We once were in Hong Kong and you made a comment. Yeah, it was a perfectly measured, perfectly measured bad suit. Correct. <laughs> so uh, there's a difference between the cutting. So we, you know, what they're telling me out of New York They've been closed now for six weeks, seven weeks. Um, nobody's at work. They can't get any product. The only product if somebody goes into work is if it's a rough diamond and they're cutting it. It doesn't, you know, you don't cut a diamond in two minutes. It takes a long, long time. But I had, uh, this stock was actually in a package that I didn't even know we had. Um, but again, it's a 29.5 US. It's an incredible buy. It's a great starter diamond. And if you want to put this into a ring, we can design a ring for you um, after the, you know, the virus is over with where we can go uh, to one of our designers and make it up for you. Get started on this one. Uh, it's a really great stone. Wonderful. Precious metals, natural fancy colored diamonds. We're talking about wealth preservation. Uh, that's just about it for the week. Darren, do you have any last minute comments uh, to wrap up the show? Well, I think you need to be prepared for what lies ahead and expect both gold and silver to be at the forefront of the biggest part of those gains and the potential windfall if you're positioned correctly. Now is the time to hone gold, silver, and natural fancy colored diamonds. I 100% agree. I think we're looking at a major wealth transfer coming up ahead. And for those that are positioned in hard assets like physical precious metals and natural fancy colored diamonds, they will be very well prepared. You have been listening to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management, the website guildhallwealth.com, the phone number one eight seven seven eight silver You've been listening on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We'll talk to you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.